You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. About a week ago, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, Jesus Christ gave uh, the pattern on how they should go about uh, really coming in the presence of God. It was given to the disciples as a pattern to follow. It summarizes Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God. It taught them to put God's glory first, to prioritize God, more than just asking something from God. That we need to approach God and thank the Lord for what He has done in our lives and our needs second. That our needs are not our top priority. Our relationship with God is our top priority. And when your relationship with God is intact, everything will fall in the right places. In fact, the main point of Matthew chapter 6 is our relationship as Christians to our Heavenly Father. And I realize that in this chapter alone, Jesus mentioned the term Father 11 times, which is really a message that more than anything else, as the God of the universe and the creator of this planet, the Father has a relationship with the Son, and the Son has this intimate relationship with the Father because He was simply communicating that more than anything else, we go to church, we read our Bibles, we uh, really give because of our relationship with God, that everything that we do springs from our relationship with God. Because at the end of the day, we need to really look back that more than anything else, it was not a flick of a finger that we uh, came to the saving knowledge of Christ, that we were called to be our children of God. Because we know that from uh, really the history that we have as what? As sinners and recipients of God's wrath, that we are far from being the child of God. And because of what Jesus did at the cross, we were bought with a price and we can call ourselves the children of God. This is why it is important and more than just coming to God and asking God for anything that we want and we, we desire and anything that we, uh, we want from God that you have to once in a while ask yourself, are you coming to God because of what God will provide? Are you coming to God because of what you need from God? Or you're coming to God because you have a relationship with God? And that is what... Really, a lot of people um, who think that they have a relationship with God, that they only call on God if they need something from God. How many of you here are guilty of this, that you only remember God when you need something from God? This is why God is a father more than just a provider. Because as we continue with this chapter, it can be summarized into two what? Words. God first. God is our priority. That everything that we do is motivated by what? By our understanding that more than anything else, I'm doing what I'm doing because God is number one. And if God is number one, everything that you do is not just about what you think is right, what pleases you. Even though in moments of inconvenience, you want to what? Still follow God because God is number one and yourself is just not even part of the list. There's a reason why a lot of people are living in pain. They're living in hate. Why? Because they have not experienced God's love. And if this is your first time to be in this room, I feel like I need to say this. That God loves you so much. Yes, even what you've been through, even your dark past, God wants you to know that His love is unconditional. It's never changing. Whether you like it or not, God is in love with you. This is why everything that we do springs from that idea that God, I'm doing this because I love you. Now, for some of you here, you're fighting for success. Why is it that all my ventures are falling apart? Why is it that all my, my, my dreams and my hopes are, 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 are not doing well? Why? Because 
you're not doing it according to what God wants. But if you do it according to what God wants and your number one desire is, Lord, I want to please you more than anything else. This is not for money. This is not just for fame. This is not for anything else. This is for you. It is just a matter of time. That God will grant you success. This is why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, if you have your Bibles right now, I want you to open it. And we are still in the same chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope that this message will give you a perspective when it comes to our finances, when it comes to possessing things, when it comes to the purposes of God and what God wants. But I want you to just hang on for a minute because I know that God has a message for us. In chapter 6, verse 19, it's written right here, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse 22, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And if you take a closer look at this chapter, there are three parts, and you feel like these are three different topics. But I'm telling you right now, this is a topic that harps on the idea of why we're doing what we're doing. This is why, as we talk about this uh, passage, we need to really ask ourselves, where is my treasure? More than just the treasure, what do I really value? And how do I see the things that God has written in His Word? What is this possession all about? And lastly, who am I serving? The first one is that, what do I value? What is my vision? How do I see things? Because the Word of God says, and it talks about values, the eyes, and lastly, you need to serve a master. Whether you serve God or not, I do understand, I believe, that you're serving somebody bigger than you. Somebody that controls you. And I want to just remind all of you that it's not the heart of God. God doesn't want to control us. God has given us the freedom. And the reason why we submit to God, because we have experienced how much God loves us. So I want to invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Can you join me in a word of prayer? I will also pray for, um, really, our churches in Central and North America. Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. Indeed, Lord, your presence is in this room and i thank you for what you've done at this very moment that you are a god who's really in love with your people and i pray right now that love will soften our hearts that will cause us and will allow us to just obey more than anything else Lord god we want our lives to be centered in what you want i pray that you will bless and you bless the preaching of your word that each and every person will see Lord god our limitations and how frail our our lives are and I pray that you give us a desire, Lord God, that in our limitations, we can look to you and ask for a limitless strength, provision, and grace to just apply whatever is spoken 
in this message. I even pray, Lord, for our churches in North and Central America, Lord, wherever they are at this very moment, Father, if they're in pain, if they're suffering, I pray for your comfort. I pray for your grace. I even ask, Lord God, that you protect the people, Lord God, that are in pain. Even, Lord God, for the upcoming typhoons, Lord God, and any atrocities that will cause, Lord God, this, this, this nation, Lord God, to, to uh, suffer. I, I pray that you just, I pray for your presence, Lord God, to give them the assurance that, indeed, you are a God who's prepared, Lord God, to save them. I pray that they will have a, a soft heart to call in your name. I even pray for pastors, missionaries, and fellow Christians that would be ready to preach the gospel of God because of this condition. Thank you for what you've done this afternoon. You are a good God, and we give you all the glory for what you've done in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, I just can't help but really pray for our churches in... Um, North and Central America, I know, and some of you are familiar with what really took place for the past few weeks and months, and I know that, indeed, uh, the best thing that we can do is pray. And if you would want to be of help, just, just visit our website, because we know that more than anything else, it is really a great opportunity for us to exemplify our walk with God. And if you're familiar, and some of you here are familiar, in Matthew chapter 6, it's written, for where treasure is, there your heart will be also. This means that Christ is telling us that where our treasure is, there will be our everything. Not only will our affections focus on our treasure, but our entire self will be entwined with it. So at the end of the day, some of us here are simply saying that God is my treasure, but how come your life is not centered on the Lord? It is always a question, what do you really value? What consumes you? What occupies your thoughts when we have nothing else to do? And some of you here, you're simply saying, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. But when the going gets rough and tough, who do you call to? The people that can probably help you or your own means and ways or your savings account or the first reaction of a person or people like us who's in trouble is to call on God. How many of you here, when you get sick, you, you, your first reaction is to call a doctor or find a medicine? Some of us, our reaction is to look for what? A medicine. Or you pause for a while and before taking a medicine, Lord, help me. Can you heal me, please? Because at the end of the day, our reaction to situations is a reflection of our relationship with God. And this is very important because some of us here, we have been a Christian for quite some time and we feel like the best thing to do is just to find really a solution that we're in control of. That's not what God is teaching us. The reason why we at times have problems because God is simply saying that I want you to call and, 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 and approach me because I will show you that I'm not God. I am your Father in heaven. How many of you here, you're delighted to buy your children gifts, okay? Or you want, you're delighted to buy them something. Come on now. Fathers, right? They're not a burden. Sometimes they are. But I'm telling you right now, most of the time, you love to bless your kids. And I'm telling you right now, we're not perfect. We're imperfect. God, our Heavenly Father, is perfect. And here we are, we want to be a blessing to our children. And I want you to understand, that is the heart of God for all of us. God wants us to approach Him. And at times, He would use situations, and it is not His will, but He will use what? Situations to what? To bring us closer to Him. So this is why at times we are not familiar that there are things in our lives and events in our lives and moments in our lives that we think that we are still worshiping and serving God. 
But situations will reveal if your life is centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question with you right now, what is it that you are constantly anxious about? Because anything that you're anxious about, from your cell phone, to your FB account, to your what, your finances, to your love life, is your God. And at times we're not familiar with this thing. Some of you hear your talent, your skill. You love God, but these are the things that you are consumed about, you're, you're enamored of. Some of you here is your God. Why? Because when you don't have a phone, you're shaken. You can't even sit up straight and, 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 and have a great day. Why? Because at times we're not familiar that we think we are followers of God, that we still have a relationship with God, but little did we know. We're not centered. We're not focused. We have things that are controlling us. So what are you anxious of? These are the things that we treasure. These are the things that we're consumed about. In fact, materialism is not just possessing things. It is a preoccupation of material things, not just material things, but money and possessions. But the philosophy behind materialism is that it operates wherein God does not exist. Because if God exists, you will what? You will anchor your life in Christ, in God, more than the things that can give you the satisfaction and the significance. So by allowing these things to be added into your life, I have nothing against cell phones and the things that you acquire and nice clothing. But I want you to understand, without you knowing it, this can replace God in your life. If you're insecure and somebody would tell you, that's a nice shoes, you look good with that. What do you feel? You feel good about it. So you what? You constantly what? Use it. Am I correct? But a simple reaction from somebody that you don't look good, it will what? It, will, it can ruin your day. Because that has been your God. And this is what the Word of God is telling us. There are times we feel like there's nothing wrong with the things that we own and we possess and we desire and we want. But at the back of your mind, it is telling you that this is what will give you what? Definition, significance, and value. Ladies and gentlemen, the things that we have and the things that we own, these are not bad things. It is us that's creating our own demons. This is why the principles here apply equally to anything that captures your heart and drives our lives like our possession, praise, power, or anything that men lost after. So if you're here right now, you can't live without something. You have a God that you have created. So it's good to be reminded once in a while that these are the things that gives us what meaning and definition. And this is why it's nice to discuss this topic in this type of gathering because it recalibrates if God is your God. So it says right here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a lot of people are simply saying, God is just interested with my money. The church in, is interested with my money. God is not interested with your money. In fact, you can give somewhere, and I don't really care. Because I can testify one thing. We've been existing for 33 years, and we're not even telling people to give. We exhort people. 
It's your call. You can give somewhere, but I'm telling you right now, because Victory Christian Fellowship is owned by God, He will supply. So God is interested not with your money. He's interested with your heart, but your money is close to your heart. Therefore, He'll check your money. Haven't you noticed that if you love something, for example, your car, a, a minor scratch, a broken lipstick can ruin your day. I know it's not your God, but I'm telling you right now, why at times there is this presence of God when, when you're using that favorite bag? Have you felt that, women? You feel like you're a person of greater value when you have expensive things attached to your life. Again, I have nothing against it. But it can capture your soul. It can capture your attention. It can control your life. That is what the idol or any idol does to us. It controls us. Some of you, you're not, you're not into things. You love to eat. If you're eating lunch and you're thinking of dinner, you have a problem. I can relate with you. Because you have, you have placed something in a pedestal. So it says right here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The question, what are we to do? Because God is interested with our hearts. This is what? The reminder to us, do not lay up. It points to the fact that those the Lord was speaking to either had a wrong view of earthly wealth you have a distorted view. This is why you're so caught up of, of accumulating things. Again, I have nothing against these things. Or material possessions, which was controlling our lives. But the goal of possession is that it will give you a, what, a false definition of who you are. These voices in our heads are telling us, if you have this, you look good. If you wear this, you feel good. If, if, if you have this brand... You're a better animal than anyone. It feels good, right? How many of you here can relate with me? When your clothes are new and it is very expensive, you go to church and you worship God. You, you, you do just to be, just for people to, to see you. But look at your heart. There is nothing wrong with, with, with what we own, but look at your heart. Because God is simply saying, I'm jealous. Why are you worshiping these things? Why are you allowing these things to define who you are? You have been defined. That my love for you is unconditional and consistent. Whether you falter nor, nor fall, my, my love for you will never waver, will not change. And I'm a faithful God. So the word of God is so clear. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust is trying, where thieves break in and steal. Because the word of God is simply saying, all of this will be gone. You will lose it and you cannot take it. You can take money to heaven. Am I correct? But you can send money ahead of you. By what? By using money to bring as many people into the kingdom of God. Why do you want to be rich? To look good again? Why do you want to be rich? Because you want a good life after a good life. What's next? You want pleasures after pleasures. What's next? But when you use money, in the context of what God wants, there will be satisfaction because money was provided not just for your own sake, not just for your own comforts. Money was provided so you can do what God is asking you to do. And if you're not using money for the things that God has intended for you to use it, you'll never be satisfied. 
Have you tried buying everything that you want after three days? You feel empty. Because more than just providing for what you want, God is simply saying, I want you to be blessed. But you're not just blessed to be blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. So the, the Lord is using three what illustrations or figures to remind us of the what the transient what nature and insecurity of life. Moth during the time uh, in, in their own context, they're they're using uh, materials okay that are made of wool, and moth are attracted to what to the kind of material. So after about a, a month or two, okay, they'll discover that clothes that they own are useless. Same thing with dress. It disfigures, it corrupts, it, it renders something that you own or something that you possess invisible because of time and, and, and weather. So if you take a closer look, when you buy something, you have to spend to maintain it, am I correct? If you don't maintain it, it can rot. And in their own culture, thieves refers to what? People, of course, stealing valuable things. And there's always a constant threat to what you have. So while you are alive, everything will be long gone. The first 15 years, in fact, if you're young, the first 15, 20 years of your life, you love acquiring things. How many of you here, it's, it's a different feeling when you're shopping. Anybody here? You feel like you're so close to God and you have the presence of God with angels singing. Anybody here when you're shopping? Oh, you, you, you what? You, you hear angels. It feels so good. But after, after 20 years of shopping, in the last 20 years of your life, what do you usually do? You let it go. You sell it. How many of you here, you have things at home that you're blaming yourself? Why did I buy? Because you think you need it. And when you're buying things, how many of you can relate with me? You're good in convincing yourself. Sale. Do you understand? 70% off. Kailangan ko to. Kasi ano eh, for work. You have... Oh, this is not a finance seminar, but I, I hope that we can apply a 48-hour rule where when, you, when you're interested with something, take a walk and bring it with you. No, 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 no just take a walk. Because that's just an impulse that goes to show that you have a limited understanding, that you need to acquire and procure these things because probably this is just a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Baka mawala. So the question that we need to ask ourselves when it comes to acquiring things, are we thinking heaven bond, earthly or heavenly? Because if your life is just your tenure in this planet, the day that you were born, the day that you die, you'll try your best to have a grip of things. You want to acquire more things. You want to, to own a lot of things. But this life has been given to us for us to have an opportunity to invest in what? In eternity. How many of you here uh, can relate with me that when you're taking a vacation, okay, somewhere in Japan for about a week, if I will give you a choice, even though you have all the money in the world, to buy a car, one week vacation in Japan, to buy a car or rent a car, you will rent a car. Because you're not from Japan. You will rent a car. Am I correct? If you want to buy, it's up to you. But my point is, okay, you will rent a car. Am I correct? Why? Because you don't know. You're simply saying, I'm not, from, I'm not from that country. I'm from the Philippines. Same thing. 
you know you're temporary. If you don't understand that you're temporary in this planet, that tomorrow you can, you probably will die or tonight, you're the person on your left. <laughs> Tell that person, I sympathize with you. Do you understand? <laughs> now, I hope it's not going to happen. But my point for saying this is that at the end of the day, while you're alive, you want to think of, Lord, what's next after this life? You invest where you're headed. Why are you, sa- why are you saving money? Why are you investing? Because you see the future. You want to have a great future. If you're a businessman, this is for you as well. Because if you're a businessman, I know that you do understand what I'm talking about. You want to think long-term. And your life in this planet is not just for your own pleasures and comforts. This is provided by God so you can leverage and use it for eternity. So while you're alive, what do you do with your life? It's written in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 7, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And some of us here, we don't have contentment. You know why? Because you have a problem with your relationship with God. Only God can give you the satisfaction that you've been looking for. If your relationship with God is not intact, you will try to pacify those, those desires of yours. You will try your best to compensate those, those insecurities, those desire for significance and definition. You will try your best to pacify your weaknesses. But if you're acknowledged and you're loved and approved by God, all of his things that you want for yourself is just an added bonus because your relationship with God satisfies because nothing in this world can give you the satisfaction you've been looking for. Even if you're telling me right now, I want a good sale. Yes, but after a good sale, what's next? You want to have another good sale, am I correct? After a brand new car, you want to have another brand new car. Haven't you noticed every single year? There is Honda 2016, 27, 2018, am I correct? Why? Because this is a never-ending pursuit. And if that's clear for all of us in this room, there is no satisfaction. The way to satisfaction is for you to understand this is the will of God. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. So when you lay up, you're simply saying, God, I want to invest not just with the things that I want, but I want to invest in this character. I want to be godly. I want to be Christ-like. Because it will benefit you both in this life and after life. And some of you here, you're simply saying, do I have to be religious? That's not what I'm talking about. A person who's godly with contentment will always think of using his time, talent, and treasures for God's glory, not just for your own glory. This is what happened to us the day that we came to the presence of God and entered into a relationship with God. Your priorities change, am I correct? You're not thinking of yourself self selfishly you're thinking of yourself selflessly you want to use this body and the resources that you have for the what for the furtherance of god's kingdom because you are a different person you're changed by god you're not living for the temporal things of this world you're living with what eternity in mind this is why in colossians chapter 3 verse 3 it's written right here set your minds on the things that are above not on the things that are below or on earth and when you have that kind of perspective, you're not caught up with what you have and what you own. You loosen your grip and you're simply thinking that I will do everything in this life so I can use what I have to invest in what's next for me. 
And the reason why some of us here were not thinking in this manner because you don't believe that there is such thing as eternity. Eternity is real because eternity is for people who have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. It will only be real if your encounter with God is real. So if you have an encounter with God, everything that you do is that, God, I'm not just working to make ends meet. My perspective is different. Our eternal perspective influences our value system and determines what we do with our lives. So some people would what? Would be so concerned with money. Everything that they will do is about money. All their decisions are always bound to gain so much money. Everything. Why? You can't blame them because their understanding is limited. I don't know. I, I was so intrigued. The other day, I was, I was scanning through YouTube and I saw this clip of a famous YouTuber in his 20s who's dying of cancer. Why? He's healthy. He looks good. Why? I can't even have an accurate answer, but at the end of the day, you can perish. Your life can end. But I want you to understand one thing. If you are a follower of Christ, death is not the end. It's the beginning. Do you understand? No credit card bills. No love life. Praise God. Love life. That's not what I'm talking about. The beginning. Where everything will be restored. No sickness at all. No depression. You, you don't need anything. That is prepared for people who has that kind of perspective. And if you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the kind of outlook in life. So this is temporary. If you encounter humps and bumps and challenges, you can smile. Why? Temporary. And talk about the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Because as the human eye gives light to our body so we can make careful choices, when your eye is clear, your vision is clear. Verse 22 speaks of one thing, a healthy eye. And when you say healthy, it has been validated that if your eye is healthy, it is protected from any greed or materialism. But if your eye is bad, verse 23, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in your, you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Because when your eye is so caught up with the things of this world, because you have zero understanding of what's next after this life, you think that the way to satisfaction is to buy everything that you see. If you're struggling, buying things, your way out of this is that you're loved, you're appreciated, you're approved, acknowledged by God, that you don't need these things in order for you to be loved by people, to be accepted by people, to feel good about yourself. That if I have a new shirt, I think I'm ready to go to church. You don't need these things. What you need is a proper understanding that God died for you. He gave His life for you and for me. That there is nothing that you need to do in order for you to really be loved by people. Yes, I do agree you need to be loved by somebody. But if you are loved by God and approved by Him, nothing in this world can make you unloved. Because you've been loved. Some of us are like that. We make choices to be loved by people. I hope, Lord, you understand because I'm lonely. He understands what you feel. 
But I hope you understand as well. That is not the reason why God is blessing with a partner. Because your life is centered in the Lord. And you're not controlled by your emotions or anyone else. Because in fact, the things that we are asking from God can do more harm than good if God is not in your priority list. Therefore, if your vision is clear, which means you're single-minded and fixed, that Lord, more than just what I need and what I want, I'm looking for life after this life. That is my life, not this life. This is why everything that you do would have so much light. So you have to ask yourself, more than just the life that I have here, am I making clear and wise choices? If you're so full of yourself and what you think is proper and what you think you need is what you live for. Your life is darkened. Your eyes are never clear. You're living for yourself. For some of us, we would want to categorize things as something valid and good. For example, looking good physically. Let me question with you right now. Even though you don't look good, and I do value exercise, is this your God? I don't understand that you work for it, you have to pose it. But you have to check at the bottom and the root cause of this. Why are you doing this? To look good or to live a healthy life so you can serve God? To be appreciated by people because you look good or you want to have a healthy life because you want to be with your kids. You want to take care of them. You want to have a great marriage because health will be of help. You have to check your priorities because clear perspective determines values. Values determine priorities. Priorities determine passion. And passion determines character. So if your perspective is clear, everything will fall in the right places. Am I correct? Do you have a clear perspective? Do you have a clear vision? This is what the Word of God is telling us. Everything is not just and all your decisions. Because at the end of the day, outlook determines outcome. This is the Word of God. And this is what the Word of God is validating. And part of the chapter goes into a climax that as we invest in the things above and our eyes should be clear from the whole idea of greed and materialism. That our decision should be wise and heaven-bound. Your decisions are in the light of eternity. That you are not just deciding with a limited vision. The climax is no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. The word is master, not employer. Because an employee can have two what? Can have two boss or bosses. But a master is only one and he has one servant. So God is simply saying, make a choice. Pick one. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This tells us that either God is a master of our lives or material wealth. There is no in-between position. This is the climax, the question, who is your master? Is it God or money? Worship of money can show up in many ways. It isn't always through continual lust for money. When you have what? When you have envy and you're envious of people. Why are they blessed? Why can't you bless me, God? I always go to church. Why are what? Bad people or people that aren't even going to church. Why are they blessed? These are questions that you can't even thank God for your life, that you're alive, that you are not in the hospital. 
When was the last time you are thankful? And this will be our topic. People that are not thankful of how blessed they are are always anxious. So come next week. If you struggle with worry, that goes to show that you don't appreciate what the Lord has done. Because a heart of gratitude will never have time for anxiety. You have to pick a choice. God is not against money, but the love of money. We've been talking about it. Why? Because more than money, God is simply saying, I don't want to compete with any idol because I'm a jealous God. The jealousy of God is not because He's jealous, but because He loves you so much that He wants a what? An exclusive relationship with you. Remember my illustration about three months ago? If you are in a relationship with your husband or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, and if your wife will tell you, I will be with you for seven days, but for five minutes, can I be intimate with somebody? Will you agree with that person? Five minutes of intimacy with someone. If you are in a relationship, will you agree? Yeah, no, four minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds. Because it's not about time. It's about exclusivity. God wants to be exclusive with us. He doesn't want us to worship any other God. Money is a good tool, but a bad master. Because when you begin to idolize money, and you're living for money, and you're breathing money, and you're working for money, I'm telling you right now, before you know it, you can come to church, you can go to church, you can worship God, but money will be your idol. And whatever you idolize will destroy your life. Why are you reacting in that manner? Because again, I want you to understand, you have idolized money. And I'm telling you right now, for a season, it feels good to have money. But everything that you do when it comes to your marriage, my kids would approach me, my son would approach me, and he would tell me, Dad, can you buy this 8,000 worth of toy? 8,000? I don't have 8 pesos. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I have learned through the years, and I have discovered by reading the Bible, that technically, I'm not his father. Do you understand, parents? I'm telling you, it will, it, it will help you, okay? Message me, okay, if this is helping you. Tell them I'm not your father. It, it sounds like Darth Vader, right? I am your father. Our heavenly father is our father. Our father. Let's agree in prayer. Talk to him. Tell him. 8,000, right? Bring it to 10,000. Tell him. Do you understand? That's Parenting 101. <laughs> My kids will approach me. And they have found ways in order to convince me. My son, my 11-year-old son would approach me. You know what? I talked to God about this toy and he told you you'll buy it <laughs> for me. This kid is thinking. And you know what I told him? Talk to him again. <laughs> to talk to me. The bottom line of this is that God wants us to understand that money can threaten a relationship with Him. And we know that if God is not our master, we are in trouble. There's the greatest tool of the enemy. The, the, the enemy will not show up and tell you he's the enemy. He will convince you to like something other than God. That is what took place in the book of Genesis. Am I correct? Knowing good and evil? He did not show up. And 
in, in a form of a serpent, but the goal is to convince that there is something better than God. So I hope that you do understand that more than anything else, I have nothing against saving money. It's not about saving. In fact, saving and investing and buying insurances is not wrong. Because the heart of insurances is not even just about it's stewardship. That you want to invest and save because God wants you to steward what He has blessed you with. But if you're putting your hope in your savings account, that my life is secure because I have saved so much. God is not against with what we have. But with what we have controlling our lives, that's another story. The way to combat this is to think long-term. That after this life, there is another life. And everything that we, what we have should be invested in our future home. Your citizenship is in heaven. Our treasures today should be viewed in light of eternity. Everything that we do, it goes with that mentality that the future is secured because of my relationship with God. Not with what I have saved and what I have. This is why we do not lose heart, though our altar self is wasting away. We get sick. We get tired. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Why are you renewed internally? Because of that relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ that gives you the security no matter what comes your way, you're not living life alone. Ladies and gentlemen, you have God by your side. He will protect you. He will uphold you. He will sustain you. He will bless your life. He will take care of you. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, this is what you see. For the things that are seen are transient, momentary, temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Can we just take this moment right now to just say sorry to God for trusting other means? Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we did hear a message has reminded us that we're very, very sorry for trusting other gods than the God and the Father that has given me unconditional love. So today, God, I repent. Can we just raise our hands right now? Lord, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry for replacing you in my life. Lord, forgive me. Can we just tell God, God, sorry. I have trusted in my savings account. I have trusted even in my career. I have trusted in my intelligence. I have trusted in what I own. I have trusted in my insurances. I have, I have trusted in my investments. This has been what I have idolized. Today, you are my God. All of this, God, is offered to you. I want you right now to imagine an altar and you're offering everything that you have, even your work, even your house, your car, and everything that you would. Lord, this is for you. In fact, to start with, we're not giving it to God. To start with, it is He that has given us. So in fact, there's no point of returning it to Him. It is His ownership. But today, something has changed. That you're simply saying, God, 
I will never be moved. I will not be shaken. No matter what will happen. If you are right now in a situation where you're shaken and you're believing God for, Lord, come, meet me. Change my heart that everything that I do is centered in giving you all the glory and pleasing you. I can, I can feel in the air that there's a voice of condemnation telling you, God will not take you. God will not accept you. Don't you ever listen to that voice from the pit of hell. I declare right now, only the voice of God that will secure you. So Lord, I will not allow the world to define how I look, how I dress, what car I drive, the money that I have. I will not allow anything. You are my God. And all glory belongs to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.